Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 105 of our 120-day Upper Room prayer campaign. Today, we're going to repent of the sin of unbelief because this sin will keep you from entering into the promises and destiny that God has for us. We don't have to walk in outright rebellion. We don't have to walk in blasphemy or rejection against God to miss heaven or the things that he has for us even here on this earth. All we have to do is walk in unbelief a lack of faith so that we don't follow his lead. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 15 says, While it is said today, if ye will hear God's voice, harden not your hearts as the Israelites did in the day of provocation. In other words, when they had provoked him to anger. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was God grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And who was it that God swore that he would not allow them to enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. We've got to recognize that the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yes, we are saved by the grace of God, the power and favor that is released to us when we walk in faith. But what really is faith? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So here it says that they heard his voice, but they did not hearken unto it. They hardened their heart against it. They didn't believe it. Therefore, because of unbelief, because they didn't bend the knee, they didn't submit to the king, they didn't let him lead, they did not enter into promise. In fact, it says that his wrath was kindled against him, that they provoked him, and their carcasses fell in the wilderness. This is a very serious thing, and I think that we don't give it the credence that it deserves. So we need to ask ourselves today, where is our faith? Because for most people, their faith is in their faith. In other words, they believe and they think that because they believe enough, then that equates to faith. But that's actually self-idolatry. Because if what you believe is coming from your own heart, your own soul, your emotions, your logic, your intellect, your will, then it is no different than the sin of Lucifer when he fell, when he thought that he could trust in his own will. It's pride. And we've all been guilty of this at one time or another where we thought, if I just believe hard enough, it's going to happen. But in actuality, when we do that, our faith is in our self. True biblical faith comes by hearing. So if we truly believe, then we will seek him. That's why the Bible says, don't worry about where your resources are coming from. Don't worry about the money, about the raiment, about the clothes, about anything, but seek ye 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things will be automatically added unto you. If we are seeking after material things, then it is a sure sign that something is out of order. David never had to chase after the crown. The crown chased after David. If we are in right standing with God, if we are in position for the destiny that he has called us for, everything that we need to accomplish it will be added unto us if we seek him first. If we take the time to pray, to bend the knee, to humble ourselves and to come to the realization that he is the supplier of our need. And in the scripture where it says that he shall supply all of our need, we've got to recognize that the word need is singular in the original text there because he is all we need. And when we seek him first and his righteousness, then all of these things shall be added unto you. So here's the issue. If they've not been added unto us, it's because we've either not sought him or we've not sought his righteousness. We're not bearing the good fruit. Therefore, it is not time yet for him to reveal us or to move us into that promise. But we get impatient and we try to get ahead of him. We get the vision and then we run out and try to make it happen. And in this, do we do what the Israelites did in the wilderness? We start to make golden calves and worship it. You see, I want you to examine your heart and I want to ask you this. What do you run to to get the job done when you get a vision, even from the Lord, and you know he's shown you something, but you step out and you begin to try to make it happen? Or when you see a need or a ministry, what do you run to to get the job done? Because that is what your faith is in. What are you seeking after? What do you think is necessary to achieve the mission? Money? Mammon? Promotions? Programs? People? Personalities? No. Prayer is what changes things. Because God is what changes things. So run to God in prayer. Because everything else is golden calves. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I assure you, everything else that you need shall be added unto you. When the time is right, God himself will reveal with miracle working power. He is able to bring about his promises at the right time in the right way, so that nothing else could ever get credit but God for what he has done. Everything else is golden calves. Think of the difference between Moses running to the mountaintop to talk to God versus the Israelites turning their gold into their God, melting it into a calf and creating a service by the works of their own hands to deify it to validate it while giving the credit for their deliverance to it. They literally said, this be the God that delivered us. This is what saved us. Their gold turned into a lifeless, powerless deity that they then had to create a charismatic service around to convince the people that it had divinity when there was nothing in it because they were too impatient 
to wait for God, to wait for Moses to come down from the mountain with the word of God that would release the power of God. They didn't have faith. They moved in unbelief in the power of their king and gave more validity to mammon and the things of Egypt, or in our case, the world. Yet Moses interceded for them. So I do remind you today, my friend, to pray that you not stray, but also to pray for those who do stray. Because a church or any person of faith that is not praying is playing, and God will not be mocked. Real faith comes only by hearing God. Therefore, a lack of prayer reflects a lack of desperation to hear him that really comes from a lack of faith in him. And that never ends well, my friend. Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14 says this, And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. It's a prideful thing to think that we can accomplish anything without the Lord. The devil is the most cunning of all created beings. He's going to outsmart you. He's going to outmammon you. He's going to outfinance you. He's going to outperform you. He's going to outpromote you. Our place is to outfaith him because he did not trust in God's plan. And it did not end well for him. God is waiting for the men and women of God who will believe him and stand in the place of impossibility where he can get all the glory for what he wants to do. We've seen this play out throughout all of the great revivals of history. How men and women of no notoriety believed God and they prayed. They sought his face. They cried out night and day. They had no money. They had no finances. They had no fancy buildings. They had no advertising. I love it when Leonard Ravenhill says that you don't have to advertise a fire. When there's a fire, people come from miles around to see it. I believe that he pulled it from the words of Smith Wigglesworth that said, I just pray until I'm set ablaze for God and people come from miles around to watch me burn. He didn't have promotions. He didn't have a platform. He had faith and obedience. He heard a word from the Lord. He met him on the mountaintop and he didn't come down till he had what God wanted to pour out. Because you see, my friend, I think many times we tie God's hands because that we put so much faith in the things of man, in mammon, in money, in advertising, in promotions, in platforms, in personalities, in all of these things that are really just bits of Egypt that we carry with us, the things that remind us of the world, the things that people esteem, the greater riches of this age that have nothing to do with the power of God's grace. But when we promote these things and put them forth as though they have power, it's like taking that golden calf and creating services around 
around it to make it seem like it's alive, to make it seem like it's a God and saying, this is what will deliver you. This is what will bring revival. This is what will save you when it's not true. And it ties God's hands that he cannot endorse you because he doesn't want people's faith in those things. If he stepped in, he would be validating it and he will not do it. This is why we see all of the great men and women of history that God used and moved through. It was in ways that no one was used to. It was through people that were the least of these that nobody expected. They were not man pleasers. They were God seekers. Oh, give us a heart of belief in the king and not in earthly things. God wants one thing from you today. Not your money, not your applause, not your energy, not your skills or your talents or your abilities. God wants your faith. So get on your face and seek him and stay there in the secret place until you have heard from him. And what you have heard, you believe it. Stand in it. Obey it, walk in it, and come back to him daily for the next set of instructions, just like Moses did. Or else you will end up falling as a corpse in the wilderness, like the Israelites did. It's time to take God's side because he is drawing a line in the sand, and he is saying this day, choose ye whom you will serve because you cannot have two masters. You will have faith in the things of man or you will have faith in him, but you cannot serve God and mammon. And I'm telling you, my friend, that in his great love and mercy, he reveals these things to us in all of the things that we put our trust and we go through these hardships and these trials and these, these attacks and we give all of the credit for it to the enemy. And we say in our pride, oh, it's because I'm doing the Lord's work. And to some level of degree, that is the case. But let me tell you, the enemy can't touch you unless God allows him to. And many times, many times, it's because we've gotten off track. We've stepped out of the place of protection. We're off of his path. We're not seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. We're doing what we think is right. We're not obeying him. We've lost sight. We've put our faith in other things, in our logic, in our intellect, in our fundraising, in our careers, in our big stages, in our talents and skills, in the multitude of faces that we have around us, serving us, working for us, or guiding us. We put our trust in so many things things, but it's all idolatry to him because he's looking for one who will truly believe so that he can step in and do what none of these can because his goal is to disprove them and prove that he is God above them. So because of that, he has to tear down our idols by making it impossible to achieve the goals and destinies and plans that he has for us, the visions that he's given us, he will make it impossible 
to do it by any earthly means to ensure that he gets the glory for it. Because that's what he's waiting for, the impossible. The Bible says that with man, these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He's looking for the one who believes that nothing is too hard for God. He's looking for the one who believes that nothing shall be impossible to those who believe. He's looking for the ones who believe that he can achieve the destinies, plans, and promises that he has given by his own means. In impossible ways that we will give him praise. And not build men's faith in material things. But will build men's faith in a powerful, able, right now, present king. So today I commission you to speak faith. To watch your mouth gate. Because the Bible says that the tongue is like a rudder on a ship. That it's a very small thing, but wherever you steer it, the whole ship turns with it. It guides that vessel. And therefore, the person who's controlling that helm is controlling the direction of that ship. So as individuals, whatever spirit is controlling our tongue is controlling the direction of our life, whether it speaks belief or unbelief, whether it speaks faith in God or faith in other things. And as ministers, we are at the helm of ministries and how we steer that rudder, what we speak determines the direction of that ministry. Are you going to speak faith in the king or faith in earthly things? Be cautious, my friend, what is at the helm of the rudder of your life? and your ministry, and your family. Be careful what you speak. Because we will all stand before the true king one day and have to give account for every idle word spoken. Lord, help us to recognize this, to remember it daily. Let us be slow to speak, quick to listen, to get on our knees before you in that place of prayer and intercession, to hear from you and not move until you have spoken. Because until you have spoken, we are not moving in faith in you. We are moving in unbelief because if we truly believe that you are who you are and that you can do what you can do, then we will humble ourselves, seek and wait on you. We will not try to do or outdo or move on our own, but we will trust you. We will come boldly before your throne and we will petition you until we've heard a word from you and then we will believe it and do it and walk in it and watch you prove it. Psalms chapter 19 verse 14 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let our mouths speak faith in the king and his ability to do great and mighty and impossible things. Stir up the faith of others because just as faith stirs faith, so does unbelief stir unbelief. And also our speaking can stir faith in ungodly things. So Lord, take control of our mouth. Holy Spirit, come take the coals of the altar and burn our lips. 
bridle our tongues and control it because the word of God says that no man can tame the tongue, but the Holy Spirit of the living God can. That's why you came to give man new tongues. The Holy Spirit is the one who controls the rudder of our mouth if we will allow him to and cast the other spirit out. In the name of Jesus, we take authority against every spirit that is not the Holy Spirit of the living God. And we say you have no right, no hold, no authority, and no control over the words of our mouth. In the name of Jesus, God, we want to please you. We want to serve you. We want nothing to come out of our mouth that doesn't stir faith in you because you are God and we are not. You are able, you are capable. There is nothing too hard for you. There is nothing you cannot do. You are a God that loves to move in impossible power so that you can prove the limitations of the things of this world and the gods of men. And the works of their hands that they cannot compare to what you can do for a people who truly trust you, who believe in you. You will move to prove your words when your people have humbled themselves in that place of prayer to make sure that they have heard you there. Lord, help us to hear, tune our ear. God, we ask for time in the day. Help us to know what needs to be pushed out of the way. Help us to know what is unnecessary. In fact, I'll make it easy. If he has not clearly and specifically spoken to you to do it with confirmations to confirm, you need to put it aside and get before him until you have heard a word. Because if you have not already heard, then you're already moving in error. This is what the word said about the king who did not seek the Lord because he did not seek the Lord first. He by default did evil because the enemy will deceive you. You can be led by the wrong spirit. You can be led by your own intellect. You can be deceived by the greatest deceiver the world has ever known. The father of lies is speaking to you daily. And if you have not heard a word from the king, you will stray. Take time today to pray and watch what you say. Let nothing come out of your mouth unless he has told you to speak it out. Because our tongue is a rudder that will steer our own lives and also others to either faith or unbelief because so many times throughout scripture do we see people putting their faith in the things of Egypt or in man or in mammon and God had to let the enemy rush in and destroy the works of it because he could not validate it and he had to prove to them that there is no power in putting your faith in this. It's a golden calf. You created it. There's no life in it. And it's not what saved you from Egypt. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. So I'm going to seek the king and wait for him faithfully and believe that he is able to bring about his promises and my destiny through impossibilities. Will you believe this with me? Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, 
Be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.